and welcome. It is the News Talk SSE or Tristy League podcast with myself, Richie McCormack, and himself, Oshin Langan. So you think you can just come back? No, you can. By the way, the answer to that question is, yeah, you can. You I, can just come back. I, I work here and this is 50% my podcast. I would say in the last couple of weeks... Actually, I'm going to take the uh, Mead County Board attitude to the Christy Ring Cup on this. <laughs> Possession is nine-tenths of the law, and while you were gone, I kept a hold of it. Did, okay, fair enough. Just one smelly Dan Kelly doesn't have a hold of it now. That's, you know, grand. And thank you to him for uh, for deputising over the past couple of weeks. Uh, but yeah, lots to come and lots to look ahead to, even though we're heading into the uh, mid-season break with the Euros in mind. A uh, few smashing results, namely for Cork City fans last week with that 1-0 win at home to Dundalk. Also, Shamrock Rovers uh, inflicting further misery on their Dublin neighbours, St. Pat's and Derry still holding in the top four with that scoreless draw away to Galway United. And Bo's still on that mighty charge. Come on! Oh, they've ram-rated their way to eighth. Well done. Listen, this is fine. Con- considering where we were about three, four weeks ago, I'm happy enough with eighth heading into the mid-season it, break. It, it's kind of funny because I'm taking the mick out of Bowles for ram-rating their way to eighth, whereas for Finn Harps and Wexford Udes, who are ninth and tenth respectively, yeah. that actually genuinely is quite impressive considering the limited resources they're working with. Well, you've got limited resources as well, O'Shane. Never you mind that. We don't have limited resources. We have no resources. Speaking of uh, unlimited resources, of course, with the Euros in mind, and we are on the eve of Euro 2016, we are, of course, bringing you this show from the streets of Paris. We are definitely in France. 100% is the music in the background can tell you. I will prove it. Right now, I'm looking at a gentleman on a, with a stripy jumper oh, wow. cycling a bicycle with a basket. He's got a baguette in the basket. He's smoking. He's um, just coming back from cheating on his wife and he's on the way to a strike. Salut Jean-Paul. <laughs> Salut. Pierre. It's Pierre. Oh, I always get them mixed up. It's Pierre. No, of course we're not in France. Oh, and there goes Liam Neeson in a car driving quickly down the wrong side of the road. I don't think anybody's buying it. I'm pretty taken with it. Well done. Well done, you. Uh, yeah, we're clearly uh, being left behind, which is fine. Which I'm okay with it. Just means we didn't want to go anyway. Bring in slabs of cans and put a few up on the desk and act with impunity. Yeah, I mean, I can bring in a slab of cans. I can't do anything with them as a non-drinker, you but can I can give, bring them in. You can give them to me as a welcoming home gift. I thought we left Frank the Tank behind us. <laughs> He's always in me. <clears throat> um. So as usual at this point in the podcast, Oshin, it is time to turn to your roundup of the week's news. Why isn't playing? Because I haven't done one. Like I say, we're in France. I'm being French. I'm on strike. Why are you on strike? What possible reasons would you be on strike? Uh, in support of their air traffic controllers, their train drivers, their Lewis drivers. They do have a Lewis. They don't call it the Lewis, of course. You know what they call it? La Lewis. Fair enough. What have we got? Damien Lynch? Damien was always good. Yeah. In fact, let's have a listen. Damien, it's time for the half-term report. Dundalk sitting pretty at the top, but only by one point after they were beaten 1-0 by Cork City. Now, it was a different kind of win from Cork City. They've beaten them three times this year, twice in the league. Uh, the first one was get the goal and hang on in there. The second one, they, for the most part, outplayed them, although Dundalk did have a man sent off early on and did create chances towards the end. Yeah, it was an interesting game. Um, I don't think I've seen a, a team sort of... 
able to, to contain Dundalk like the way Cork did in the last couple of years going to see games that Dundalk have played in it was a really really impressive uh, performance by Cork um, across the board I think the sending off had a big impact on it uh, unfortunately I would have loved to have seen 11 v 11 for longer um, I think the referee actually got that one wrong but I think we won't go into referees just this minute but um, overall really really impressive performance and, and kind of the, the key trigger for it all seemed to be Greg Bulger in the middle of the park uh, he was phenomenal on the night. He he got around. He and one thing I, I noted was he his range of passing was brilliant. His his sort of positional play was brilliant. But he just set a tone throughout the whole game where he was getting on to fellas if there was a, a sloppy pass made. He was sort of going in and winning fifty fifty challenges. He was winning challenges that he shouldn't have won, and he was the real driving force behind them. So. A very, very impressive performance by Cork. Having said that, the last 15 minutes was a little bit shaky, but they got over the line. But I just think Greg Bulger could be the key to Cork driving on now and, and, and getting sort of some, some league success this year. It's very interesting. If I had gone to seven points, I think it was over. Um, both managers would disagree with that, but uh, certainly I couldn't see anyone catching Dundalk. But from a, a mental standpoint now, Cork can kick on, and, and nice break for them now, kick on uh, when they come back, and knowing that they've beat Dundalk, the last time they did that, they drew three matches. So I'd expect John Caulfield's side now to, to go into their next game. If they can get three points there, it could really set them up for the for the, a nice run of games then. Damien, that notion of containing Dundalk and not allowing them to play their own game, what is it that Cork have in that aspect? Is it just purely a bulger effect or is it something that's more team-wide that maybe other sides can possibly pick up on in the second half of the season? Um, a bulger was, was certainly one of the things that impacted most but I think Dundalk sort of fell into the trap of they were so used to always playing out from the back and the Ronan Fingats on the ball but they, they just didn't give them a second and, and what they probably should have done was uh, and people will wonder what I'm, what I'm saying is, but go, just go long for 10 minutes where put the ball in over the top um, and, and make Cork drop off as much as they could. You McMillan up top. If you put if you put two or three balls over the top, he'll he'll chase and he'll cause hassle for Cork back forward. And then all of a sudden, Cork would drop another ten yards um, in terms of having to defend the long ball. And once they do that, then that would open up space in the middle of the park. But they never went long at all, um, and it was quite predictable that um, where, where the passes were going to go, like. And Bulger in, Bulger in the middle of the park uh, was able to close down Finn a lot. They didn't let Daryl Horgan get into the game. So it's definitely something teams can look at, pressing high and just not letting them out. But I don't think everyone can do it. I think the Cork side that are there are a very good side. Um, and they were physically, they were, they were a match for Dundalk on the night, which you haven't been able to say that too often uh, with other teams that have come up against them. Is it a case if it's not so much a worry for Stephen Kenny because it's only pretty much Cork City that can pull this off? And looking at the table, it's a what a nine point drop to third place between first and third to Shamrock Rovers. So basically, this is a two team title race from here on. Oh, now. it absolutely is. Yeah, it's a two team title race. So I don't think very surprising at Shamrock Rovers, as as Ushin mentioned, the mid mid season check in. Rovers twenty eight points versus thirty seven for Dundalk. Like that's a big big gap to to close in. Um, then you look at Derry next. Uh, Derry are doing very well. Um, we've spoke about them already in the podcast, mm-hmm. but I can't see them competing. So you're absolutely right. It's a two-team um, chase to the title. The inconsistency of Cork drawing three games. I think they drew to Sligo. They drew to Galway. That that they just can't allow that to happen. Dundalk will not do that. Um, and it, it it could very much come down to head-to-heads this year. Um, if Dun, if if Dundalk are going to go, and I would expect them to. Like I said, I think we were covering it for Satanta. I think I said that I'd put my mortgage on them winning their next match. Stephen Kenny will get into them and he'll he'll get them. Make sure that they they recover very quickly. 
but I'm really interested now to see how Cork go on about this. It's it's not the big games I'm worried about with Cork at the moment, the Dundalks, um, even Rovers. It's the games that they, they drew with the, against a Galway, Finn Harps, a Bowles. They're games they have to pick up three points, whether it's home or away. Um, but looking at them the other night, I was really impressed with Dooley. He, he looked really uh, good on the ball, very, very... Um, intricate and, and he, he was able a lot of goyle coming in off the line and he actually reminded me a little bit of, of daryl horgan going into the game everyone was talking about how good daryl horgan was but Stephen dooley actually reminded me of how he played he, he didn't sit out in the wing he came inside and i think when you look at the squad cork have they sh- there's no reason why they can't keep this very close for the remainder of the season um whether they have enough to pip dock i don't i still don't think they have that but most interestingly now, European football is coming up, and, and I know what it's like playing European football. It very much distracts from, from the league campaign. Stephen Kenny's going to have a big focus on Europe this year. If they can get a decent draw, he's hoping to get maybe six games in Europe this year. So if that happens, games get postponed, and you can have a build-up of games. So it'll be interesting to see how both sides deal with um, with the European game uh, games coming up. And I, I don't think the Dock have the biggest side. Um, if they do go on a run in Europe... Uh, I think they'll have to make a couple of acquisitions to, to come in and, and bolster that squad. One always assumes that a European run is good for the league and good for the team who go on it. Aside from the financial aspect, is that actually the case, Damien? I think it is. I think a European run is, is great. I think what people need to remember is some people will try and measure the success of the league by a good European run, which I think is absolutely wrong. The success of the league should be measured on the quality of the football, the attendances, and, and there's very other, there's an awful lot more metrics you could put in place to measure the success of the league. But there's only one way in getting people to, to know more about the league and to get people to games is if, if people are playing in high-profile matches. And uh, from a player's perspective, it's, it's what you played f- football for. I was lucky enough to play 30-odd games in Europe, and they're the games I remember the most, they're the games I enjoyed the most. So I think, I think it's really important that, that teams... Do uh, do have a good European run? Hasn't been great last year. We we covered a lot of the games and been perfectly honest. The Irish sides really struggled last year, um, and it kind of has a bit of a dampener on the league as well. Once that happens, so if you can get somebody going on a good run or two teams going on a good run, it sort of just brings that feel good factor to the league, and that can be passed on from a marketing perspective to the, to the greater public out there and trying get more people to games as well is what people are trying to do out there the go-to excuse for the team struggling last year is that not not as many sides are full-time and the league has been weakened is that one that you accept is that an excuse that you that you buy yeah, I, I would yeah I, I think having said that listen talking to Stephen Kenny and um, a couple of the other people around some teams are whilst they're not officially full-time they, they would be training similar to a full-time team but um, last year they were off by some pace like I remember uh, watching um, St. Pat's that, that they really struggled Cork really struggled as well um, and, and they just looked off the pace in terms of fitness a lot of it does come down to fitness in European football you're coming up, coming up against physically strong players who can go for 90 minutes. I know that seems very basic, and people will say like fitness shouldn't be the difference, but it's it's the catalyst to go on and, and allow your, your best players to perform. Um, I know when I started playing in the European Games back in 2003 against Rosenberg, we were a million miles away, and I think we were beaten 6-0 on aggregate um, in a game. And then sort of 10 years later, I remember knocking out AFK um, Gothenburg from uh, a European game as well. So we came a huge way, and a lot of that was down to fitness, style of play, confidence, and having that composure to go into Europe and, and know you can do well. So, yeah, it's, it's, uh, there's a bit of a gap there at the moment, but the only way to, 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 
to improve on that is to, to get a bit of a, a good run and, and get a bit of confidence going and hopefully we can get back to the levels in European football that we were previous to this. When do attention start turning to that? Because obviously you mentioned that fitness is an issue and that's not something that you can turn around in the space of a week or two after the draw is made if you know that you're going off to play Bate Borisov or Rosenborg as you mentioned or X, Y and Z club from Europe. So obviously this is stuff that has to start earlier. Is, is Are there many transitions that you have to make from looking ahead to Europe from a training perspective or is it more a more gradual thing and teams aren't that far away necessarily at all? No, teams aren't. Like in terms of a fitness perspective, there's nothing you can really do now at this stage. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I don't know if you're both aware, but I think Cork and Dundalk were both given the opportunity to go away for a week. Um, to Portugal, I think it was, uh, all expenses paid to go training. It's, it's part of a European uh, push that both sides are actually staying in the same hotel, which is a bit of a random one, but um, they both took it up. But essentially, once the break finished... Fight! <laughs> that would be class. <laughs> it wouldn't really be, by the way. I'm just joking. Sorry, Damien. Um, the the interesting thing is like you're going to start looking at shape in European football you'll have a very very different shape and that's going to start from day one on your training camp how you play European football I think uh, Dundalk this year probably set up slightly different in terms of towers in the middle of the park they're not as expansive free flowing but um, I think that's going to suit them from a European perspective whether Stephen Kenny has had that in his mind I don't know but from speaking to Stephen for an interview we did um, a while back European football is so important to him this year. Uh, he, he most definitely wants to win the league and it's not going to distract from it, but he has he's such an important eye in Europe that, and, and he really wants to go and make a mark with, with his Dundalk team because he's done well in Europe in, in other clubs and it's the one thing in Dundalk now he'll want to bring to it. But, but Richard, yeah, you're going to get stuck. It, it, it's a mentality thing now. You, you're going to have to be very disciplined with your shape. That starts on the training pitch, listening to coaches and... and can be very repetitive at times but it has to be done um, it's very important once you know who you're playing watching videos knowing what sort of shape they have so there'll be a lot of hours put in and it's going to be a lot of preparation for the sides and, and that's necessity to, to, to try and do well in Europe A double question on St. Pat's one how worried will they be about their form ahead of the European campaign and two what do you put the the drop off in form down to I mean they lost 2-0 against St. Pat's they've played a lot of younger players in the last couple of weeks and it's it's kind of taken a downturn ever since that uh, very healthy win over Finn Harps yeah um, disappointing start of the season but having said that when you look at the players that have left um, like Cork City tonight had, had Brown and Bulger you've Killian Brennan left uh, Forrester's gone so if you actually go through all the players that have left it's it, like you're, you're talking the top players in the league have moved on from St. Pat's and they haven't replaced them with players that are of the same calibre so I wasn't expecting a top two challenge this year from St. Pat's. I certainly think they should be challenging for third, fourth place. Um, really disappointing results uh, last couple. What, what, what would you put it down to? I think it's the young players. We, we watched them against Longford, um, the Trial game, and they, they were actually look, They could have won it in the last minute, but they were actually lucky to get the draw in the end. I know it sounds strange, but um, yeah, they, they were struggling at the back. Uh, weren't able to keep a clean sheet. They, they, they set up it. Their setup wasn't great in the middle of the park. They weren't moving the ball quickly enough. So I think it's a combination of losing an awful lot of good quality players and they've replaced them with players who are certainly younger and they're by no means uh, like for like. So I think the Buckley side are going to be, it's going to be a challenge to get to the top three, fourth place this year. Um, but if they get there, I think that's that's good uh, progress for them in terms of what's happened at the club. I think ex- expectations need to be set there. 
they're, they're by no means able to, to, to challenge the Dundalks and Cork of this world. I saw a little bit of that. We saw the highlights of it in Soccer Republic during the week. There's a certain amount of stick, um, I suppose, with the, the defeat to Bowes, I suppose, fresh in their mind. A lot of it might be warranted from the fans' perspective, but a lot of stick being given out to players for rather innocuous kind of things. But is it a case that Buckley, at the moment, isn't quite sure in his best starting eleven, or even in, even in fact his best shape, I suppose, at this stage? No, that's a very fair point, Rishi. I think his starting eleven has, has chopped and changed. Um, his back four has chopped and changed as well. So, with me, I always found that if you got a good back four and, a good, and your keeper ready and, and set, you kicked on from there. But he's really struggled to figure out what's the right um, right shape for his team this year. Well, so, re- regardless of personnel changes, is that not something that fifteen, sixteen games into the season he should pretty much have by now? No. Um, he should absolutely. Um, there's pressure on him to have that, but it it can happen. I suppose looking at it from his perspective, you can get you can get caught up in stuff. Um, players are not performing, but you're right. You should have a philosophy for your team to play to. Um, that this is how we're going to set up. This is what I'm expecting for everyone on a weekly basis. And it kind of goes back to the European thing we were chatting about. Mm-hmm. That needs to be hammered out on the um, on the training pitch. Whether that's happening or not, I don't know. But you can't legislate for, for individual errors um, as a manager. And and, and Buckley will be pulling out his hair at times with some of the mistakes that the, the Pats players have made this year, giving away cheap goals. And once you're conceding cheap goals, it's always an uphill battle. But I think it's going to be an interesting second half of the season. There's going to be a, a lot of pressure on Liam Buckley. Um, it, it, it's the defeat to Bowles, I think, that's really going to hurt a lot of people in that area, in, in the club and in, in the supporters. So um, considering the run Bowles are on to, to get for them to beat them like that was was massively disappointing from Pat's perspective and something that will Liam Buckley certainly have to address. We've talked a lot about individual teams and we've talked a bit about Europe. One thing we haven't asked you, Damien, is this is the midterm report, so how have you rated the league season so far overall? It's been decent. Um, I think we've got two very, very top sides in Dundalk and Cork. Um, I, I've been very disappointed kind of with the rest uh, to a certain extent I think Shamrock Rovers have, have been my biggest disappointment of the season for, so far having said that um, Rovers fans will probably say what am I talking about they're third in the league there's still an opportunity from there but I think this was a big year for Shamrock Rovers they needed to go and challenge um, not saying they were going to go and win the title but in the last five or six games, you want to see them up there challenging for the title. So that's been disappointing. But overall, it's been a mix. Like, I don't think it's certainly been a season that's been on fire. Um, some good games, some, some average games. Like Sligo have struggled at times. I, I find the league is doing well. You have the likes of... I, I love the, the, county, the county spread of Sligo being strong. Longford being strong, um, Galway being strong, I, I like that. Um, seeing Dundalk and Cork at the top is fantastic, mm. two sides outside of Dublin, but um, the Dublin sides have been disappointed this year, Rovers, Pats and, and Bowes. So um, overall, it's been an okay season, no, nothing to write home about yet. Um, but we, covering some of the games for Satanta, the, the game in Cork was an intriguing game, some great attendance at it, I think there was about yeah. 6,000 turned up at it. It was a great atmosphere and um, it was a decent game on the night, even though the sending off happened. So uh, so I'm expecting a, probably a better second half of the season. Um, sound like I'm a merchant of doom there, but um, okay so far is how I'd, how I'd put it. I'm liking the, the note of optimism, Damo. <laughs> Always be optimistic. <laughs> isn't it? uh, it's going to be an absolute shush. Yeah. Brilliant second half of the season. Can't <laughs> wait. Do you agree with the break? Because it breaks momentum and while I appreciate the European Championships are on, I remember a couple of years ago when the Welsh Union said, you know what, we're going to try and play Pro 12s during the Rugby World Cup because people will actually be interested in the sport. They'll be interested in rugby. So maybe we might get a knock-on effect from that. Do you think that would have been worth trying? Because many clubs will tell you they don't welcome this break because 
even if the gates are small, they were still going to get something, and and now they're getting nothing. Um, I, I think the break is is is, is fine for me. As a, I'm looking at it from a player's perspective, I wanted the break from from my family. Um, people with kids want to want to get away and stuff like that. Uh, to be honest with you, everyone's going to forget about the League of Ireland whilst the Ireland are in the European Championships. It's going to be an afterthought. I don't think it would drive attendances. Um, do you at, think at atten- I, do you think attendances would dip though? I do, yeah, probably would, yeah, I, yeah. I do. Um, I certainly know I'm going to get over to a game. A lot of the League of Ireland supporters will probably try and get over to games as well. So um, I, I think attendances would possibly dip. So mm. it, it, I think we all have to focus on the national team now and, and what a great tournament we're going into. Um, I think the, the mid-season break is fine with me, particularly with, with the European Championships. The, 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 the year that it, there's no World Cup or European Championships and, or if Ireland were not involved, you could possibly look at it then. But if Ireland are involved, absolutely, I think, I think the, the break makes most sense. Damien Lynch, thanks for joining us on the SSE Electricity League podcast here on News Talk. Enjoy your holidays and top up that tan. Cheers, lads. Take it easy. Bye now. It's intermission time. We're happy to have you with us tonight and hope you'll come back often. An optimist sees half a pint of milk, he says, it is half full. A pessimist sees half a pint of milk, he says, it is half empty. I see half a pint of milk, I say, it is sour. It is the uh, midterm part of the season, not quite at the midpoint in terms of games, but at least we got the summer break, ahoy. And what Spring would break! Summer, Woo! thank you for that, Oshin. And what would a summer break be without uh, a deep note of pessimism on several fronts? <laughs> Uh, we're joined on the line uh, by former <laughs> chairman of Cork City it is John O'Sullivan who is also former CEO of both Athlone Town and uh, Limerick FC as well uh, John thank you so much uh, for joining us uh, you've been an ever present on Twitter and one of the great voices on Twitter uh, supporting the League of Ireland and on the 42.ie most recently as well with your columns there uh, so thank you for taking time out uh, to speak to us lowly peasants no, no problem my pleasure <laughs> um, I don't know actually I don't know where to start with all this I suppose we'll start with the um the Athlone situation because I'd imagine it's something that you would have a, a, a bit of knowledge about having been previously involved with the club yourself uh, most recently unable to fulfil a fixture last weekend and there is now uh, an independent review uh, slated by the FAI uh, because of that uh, unable, inability to uh, to uh, see out that fixture and field a squad last week um, the licensing issue with Athlone Town do you know how they got one this year? Well, I, I know Alan Matthews, you know, um, maybe a month ago was on Midlands 103 and he spoke about some monies that were owed um, uh, to players from last year. I think there was a stand-up row between officials from Drogheda United and people involved in that loan a few weeks ago at a game there. Um, so I, I guess in terms of licensing and for monies that are owed, um, there's, there's two main types of debt um, that the FAI look at when they're um, putting a license or reviewing a license application. The first is footballing debt and the second is non-footballing debt. So the the only one that really counts in terms of your ability to get a license is your footballing debt. So that will be money that's owed to the FEI itself, um, potentially to the revenue, because that usually deals with wages. And then the player wages themselves are, are, are wages to your football staff. Um, wages actually to off-field staff don't really matter in terms of licensing. So if you've got an issue with outstanding money um, owed to players, for example, there's, there's two ways you, you can go about it. You can either pay it off, which most clubs, especially at, at the end of an off-season, aren't in a position to do, or you can come to a scheme of arrangement with the people who are owed the money. 
Um, and what that means is that you come to an agreement with, with the, the players um, or, and you maybe pay a first instalment of an agreed instalment plan. Um, but the problem is then that you get your license at a fixed point in time and that's not up for a review for 12 months. So if after the fact, and I'm not sure if this is the case in that loan, but you know, just to give it kind of an indication, if after the fact you... And don't follow through in that scheme of arrangement, or you hit further difficulties. Um, then it, it, it's really not avoiding in terms of affecting your license because you've already been awarded it. Mm. So if that amount of money stays due through twelve months again, the following year you're before the licensing committee again. Really, you just have to initiate another scheme of arrangement um, and make that one payment or two payments to get people to sign up to it. And, and then really, once your license is awarded, you're kind of free and easy for another year. This, this scheme of arrangement thing, should that not be setting off alarm bells for the likes of Frank Gavin and the FAI if a club has to put that in place and clearly would have to have known about this towards the end of last season going into this? Does that not set alarm bells ringing? Because how could a club like Athlone Town be in a position 12 months later to suddenly have all of this money paid off and everything's fine and they can just get the licence again? Yeah, well, every club will go through. Yeah, look, it's a valid question because, you know, why aren't people reacting to this? Because, look, Athlone aren't alone in this. Um, yeah. We've seen Darren Quigley's been awarded six over six grand recently from Bray Wanderers. Um, look, there's... And every club at some stage during the year or in recent years has hit some kind of snag. Um, but, yeah, look, every every January, every single club has to go up to Abbottstown, sit down with the FAI, with Fran with um, the licensing department, with the finance department, and go through their budget for the coming year line by line. And part of that would, would include um, what, you know, outstanding, like trading debts, we'll say, which will be standard, you know, invoices that are owed to be paid within, you know, 30 days. If, you, if you've just bought a set of kits from a supplier and that won't come due for a month, you, just, you have to talk through how all these things are going to affect and how you're going to pay for it. So I suppose it's, it, it's really down to how straight everyone is in those meetings like across all clubs. Um, like, uh, for as an example, though, like a couple of years ago, I was up there with Limerick, and at the time we, when, at the time we sat down with our um, review meeting with the FAI, we had an agreement with our front to short sponsor for the season, who a week after that meeting pulled out. So while the information we gave at the time was completely honest, completely factual, and the FAI took that, something outside of our control happened, which meant we, we had to go back and explain the situation and, and, and rejig things. But really, if, if everyone is if everyone is honest, something like this should never pop up and catch someone by surprise, um, and that that's really the fundamental thing. Now, the other side of it is, at loan will have projected to hit a certain level of attendance, which will be driven by how they're performing on the field. And a few weeks ago, in an FAI Cup game, that fifty-seven people paid into the ground. So you can't, you know, if if money's not there, it's not there. That's that's the other side of it. Like so, it's it, 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 the, the question I'd ask really is. The FAI had an had a review meeting. They came down to Atlone this weekend after after this issue cropped up. But really, the alarm bell should have been three or four weeks ago at the FAI Cup game when there's 57 people in the ground. That's when you need the FAI coming in, going, "What's going on, lads? How can we help? How do we stop this getting worse?" And that, that's you know, so there's, there's breakdown on all sides here. But look, fundamentally, players made a decision they weren't getting paid. Or sorry, it, it was it was it was amateurs, um, so they weren't getting their expenses that were due, and they couldn't be taking days off work and and, and you know risking their own livelihoods when they weren't getting those expenses back, you know, to, to cover off what they were spending themselves. It sounds like the FAI can learn an awful lot from this process, and I do in some ways feel bad for them because the first people we jump on always in these situations is the FAI and maybe the clubs themselves, and I don't just mean at loan; I'm talking generally. Should what we're hearing about this story and a few other stories in the past reshape the licensing process completely or is it a case that as you say things will always crop up no matter what they do and the FAI 
can only do so much. Yeah, I thought the FBI look their hands are tied to a degree because as much as they, you know, they 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 have oversight of the league, they don't run the clubs individually and. The fact of the matter is, whether we like to admit it or not, most of the issues that clubs hit, you know, in terms of cash flows especially, either comes from overestimating where they thought they'd be, you know, not being realistic about, you know, what they're spending, or else it's just, you know, it, 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 it's internal issues themselves. It, there's, there's very few instances where FAI decisions or FAI policy, you know, impact how a club is run on a day-to-day basis. Where the FAI probably fall down is that there really isn't any... What was the correct word? There really isn't any sanction or, mm. or punishment for you know um, for you know these discrepancies or, or, or these failures. Are the licensing like, or is the licensing system then pointless? Or does it do, no, does it do enough? Fair, yeah. I, I I think no. I don't think it's pointless because it, to be fair, on, in certain aspects, it has driven improvement. I mean, it, it, the, the, things like having to have a certain level of qualification for managers and for underage managers that's helped bring up the standard of player because we're, we're now relying on a much younger player than we would have been in, in you know in the fully professional era or, or the closest fully professional era it has made some differences to the ground especially in terms of safety capacities um, and it, it does help drive clubs you know it, it makes clubs more structured you know and it forces clubs at least to sit down and look ahead 12 months it's whether clubs are actually taking you know how realistic they're being when they look that 12 months ahead in, into their budget but look the long and the short of it is that it, 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 there's probably clubs that should be challenged much more aggressively when they're in front of the FAI in terms of their licence um, but the days like I, I would find it very hard to believe that the club that the FAI would deny any club a licence um, in the current climate when it's you know when we, we've seen Kevin Healy come into the league recently um it was Shamrock Rovers B they replaced. There isn't exactly a great clamour of clubs trying to get into the league. So losing the losing clubs, you know, it, 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 through the licensing process probably isn't in. The, you know, it's not something the FAI would want to take on right now. Now, look, they'll tell you that it's an independent process that it's people that sit outside the FAI that um, that look after it. But really, to, to suggest that the FAI don't have an influence in those decisions. You know, I, I don't buy that, to be honest myself. Uh, is it a case whereby perhaps instead of, and granted it is, as you mentioned, a more detailed process than this, but at the start of the year, it's almost like uh, rocking up to a club and flashing a, a fake ID at a bouncer and kind of going, hey, you're grand, I'm 18, I can come in here, it's all right, and the bouncer waving you in, and that's fine. Is what's needed a slight more uh, involved hand from the FAI in, in that there's ongoing dialogue throughout the year there's I suppose quarterly check-ins perhaps with the clubs to see how they're getting on and if they're actually living up to the premises of the licence Yeah look, and, and to continue your analogy like what's, what's happening is the, the clubs are flashing their ideas to the bouncers but then they're going into the bar and they're drinking themselves stupid and no one's watching that part of it. <laughs> you know and, and that's it like so a first division club which alone are have to return a quarterly management account premier division clubs have to do it monthly yeah. so to be fair to the FAI, they they will have taken a, a, a quarterly account from in January and again in April. They wouldn't be due one again until June, July from at loan. So three months is a long time, you know, not to have oversight or not to have that 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 kind of tight oversight that you'd have. Mm. Um, so you, you'll you'll get them. Uh, uh, the FAI will be much more aware of the of issues cropping up in Premier Division clubs because of that that monthly return. Um, so that that's something that could be tightened up on definitely, um, but like I, I like I, I get a, I get a lot of rep for being 
you know, bad on or uh, strong on the FEI and, and criticise them for everything. But you know, clubs have to take responsibilities too. And you know, if, if you're if you're not putting your hand up yourself, you're in trouble. You know, you can't, these things are going to you know they're going to catch the FEI by surprise. Basically, uh, you mentioned there um, that there isn't a great clamour for from other clubs to get in, in, involved in the league and there would be a case in point where you could point towards the regions and say you know the clubs in Tralee or Castle Bar or even perhaps a couple of junior clubs in Dublin uh, might be at a certain level that they would be able to compete uh, on a man-to-man basis I suppose with first division sides is it a case that these clubs aren't really prepared to deal with the arsake that would come with being in the first division well it, it, yeah probably yeah I mean look the, the cost involved in, in moving from a, 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 you know a being a local club like Three Dynamos, I know investigated this a number of years ago, um, and they were they were told that because of being being down and carried on in Tralee, they'd probably be looking at a budget of 180 grand a year, even if they were completely amateur. So that's money you have to that the committee of Three Dynamos have to go out and they've got to find from their local community effectively, and then. It, it, it's something that crops up a lot with with clubs who want to who who might investigate the move that, that Cavan Teeley made recently. You, you, if you're a strong schoolboy club with a couple of senior teams as well, and suddenly you, you someone says to you, you've got to take 180 grand a year, pick it up, take it out of your schoolboy system, take it out of whatever else you've got going on, take it out of the infrastructure that you're developing, and you've got to put it into a team in the national league which might not be very competitive. It's 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 not you know an, an, an easy an easy, you know, a decision to make. And most clubs would, you know, rail against it, to be fair. I mean, a lot of the reason Salt Hill Devon and Murphy United kind of backed away from the league is because they were there year in, year out. They weren't very successful. And there was mumblings and murmurings from, you know, their own schoolboy systems going, guys, why are we in this league? We're getting nowhere in it. It's costing us a fortune. And, you know, it was that focus from the schoolboy sections of the club that was eventually pu- pulling them out as much as the solution in Galway at the time, with, 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 you know, wasn't ideal. Yeah. But really, a lot of the decision to move away from that came from the schoolboy ranks within the clubs because of the amount of money that's involved. So, look, financially, it, it, it's there's not really any incentive there for, you know, a Tralee Dynamos or a Castlebar Celtic to come in and start playing in the League of Ireland in the first division and yeah. um, you know there's, there's, there's little coverage in this the, the, the prize money is pretty low if you if you finish bottom of, you know in the bottom couple of clubs in the in the first division this is the first year actually where the first year that going back since the participation agreement with the FAI where you, you, you actually don't lose money to the FAI in participation fees you know so up until this year you didn't even break even if you finished in the bottom three or four you know so yeah. But still, the, the amount of money it takes to, to run a League of Ireland club, even on an amateur basis for a year, is is phenomenal. And you're not going to really... Wexford Youths were, are, are a, a kind of a... They're a great example to a lot of clubs because they did it slow and steady. But they're, they're really the exception to the rule in, in, in terms of an amateur club who's going to get promoted. Um, you know, they're, they're, they're kind of... They're, they're not. They're not a normal case, really. There's, there's been many other clubs that have gone on in the past that have tried to go a similar route and, and just don't get yeah. anywhere. They just end up, you know, treading water. Yeah, we could make up a imaginary league of all the clubs that have gone by the wayside over the years. Uh, Thurless Town, top of the table at the moment, followed closely by St James's Gate, and Monaghan Town and Dublin City going for the European spots, etc. Uh, John, just before we let you go, it's something we put to Damien Lynch a little bit earlier on about the break and. Um, Basically, what I said to him was a couple of years ago during the last Rugby World Cup, not the one just gone, Wales said, we're actually going to keep playing games because 
the World Cup raises interest in rugby and that's actually a good thing so we actually think people will be interested in seeing rugby they might come along uh, the break has come for the Airtricity League obviously the European Championships will hog the headlines and take all the attention but do you think taking a break is a, is a good thing for the league is it a right thing because you know there's a couple of angles to it there's the attention to the Euros and also you know you can say the clubs they're, they're going to lose money and maybe even if the gates dropped off they'd still have gates whereas now they won't yeah, I, I, I'm not a, a great fan of the mid-season break, to be honest. Um, the, the, there's no real... The, the, look, the player player rest and recovery is the only real advantage to it, um, which I can understand. But at the same time, you're not you're not generating income. Like you said, even though we have a, a break going on at the moment, it's, it's not going to last the entire thing to the European Championships. There's going to be quarter-finals and second-round games happening on Fridays when we're back playing. You know, so it's not like we're not going to be clashing. It doesn't avoid those, those clashes. And there, I think there is a valid argument to make that if you were playing League of Ireland football at a time when you know these big global events are going on, that it might actually drive additional interest. So, look, it, it, it costs clubs money in the long run. It, it, it breaks people's habits, and, and unfortunately, like every other walk of life, League of Ireland fans are creatures to have it. You know, every second Friday becomes, or every second Saturday becomes something you do, and anything that kind of breaks that. You know, it it, it 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 hurts, and as well, it, it's an extra week in the calendar where we could take a mid-season fixture out, mm-hmm. and you know maybe get up to a better attendance. We've got a lot of Monday night, Tuesday night games early in the season, late in the season. A lot of clubs are facing into a period now where even if they're not competing themselves, if they're playing someone who's in the Europa League or if you're playing on Docker, who are going to be in the Champions League. Fixtures are going to be moving around, so if you're losing a couple of weeks. You know, in good weather at the height of the summer, where you could be filling in some of those fixtures and and, and maybe giving a club a home game on a Friday night rather than a Monday night. Um, you know, I think that's something that, that that needs to be looked at. There isn't really the arguments against this, the mid-season break far outweigh those for yeah. it. Well, John, hopefully uh, we'll speak to you again in slightly sunnier uh, circumstances, even though we are heading <laughs> into yeah, the uh, the summer break. But uh, thanks so much for taking time out to speak to us this week. Thanks for guys. Have Cheers. a very relaxing weekend. You've got some nice ingredients there. You go careful there now, my love. Thanks once again to John O'Sullivan uh, for speaking to us this week on the News Talk SSE or Tristy League podcast. If you haven't already and you are a fan of the league, uh, follow John on Twitter. He is one of the best, if not the best. I don't want to pick it the best, but he's one of the best League of Ireland Twitterers there are. Uh, at John G O'Sullivan, if you want to get hold of him there. Yeah, really worth following. And we tend to categorise people in the League of Ireland. Maybe we do it in sport overall, but certainly... In the League of Ireland, we say, oh, that guy, you know, he's an FAI guy or that guy is a bit of a rebel, you know, a bit of a crank, a bit of a mouth. Yeah. He is neither, to be fair. You very know, level He's very, very fair, as people will have gathered if they listen to that properly. Absolutely, 100%. And uh, just generally knows his onions without wanting to get back to the uh, French side of things because we're not in France this week. Really should end... Yeah, we should clarify that he doesn't wear those onions no, around his neck. He doesn't. He apparently does have the stripy jumpers though. Uh, we do need to end this on a positive... I feel we've gone down a dark negative route for the last while. How are we going to end this positively? Worked well for the Batman franchise. It did. There you go. And now they're going to make... Well, they did make the muck with uh, and Ben Affleck. Uh, no, but he was a good Batman though. The movie was poor, but he was good as Batman. Can you take Ben Affleck seriously as a Batman? Yes, I can. I believe the people of Gotham deserve Ben Affleck. Now you just sound like Marion Finucane. <laughs> oh, man. Imagine. That would be class. And introducing <laughs> Marion Finucane as Batman. <laughs> I can't do it, Marion.
I say we leave this in. You see, normally, folks, Richie cuts this kind of stuff out. But I think, you know what? It's spring break. It's the last day of school. I say we leave this in. <laughs> uh, I think, I, do you know what, right? We wanted to end on a positive note. And yeah. we didn't want to get into the, the boring kind of trite Euro 2016 preview thing. Yeah. Uh, there's no point in all that. England are going to win. Um, <laughs> so it simply ended on... There you are, having a laugh. The idea that Marion Finucane could be Batman. <laughs> Till next time. Goodbye. Well, your father was in prison. You were in prison. You were in prison and two brothers were in prison with you. You ever dance with the devil in the pale moonlight? That's... Uh, can I just go back on something? Never rub another man's rhubarb. <laughs> Holy schizophrenia.